this series has been devoted to the idea of how do I experience God's best for my relationships? What, what does it mean for my life? And, you know, we believe that, that God has an intended design for our relationships, right? And it was a, he had this plan in mind and it was there from a little bit before we were. It was from the, from the beginning of time, right? Adam and Eve in the garden. God creates mankind with this purpose to experience some kind of a freedom in, in relationships, both with him and with others. And last week, we spoke about forgiveness uh, as one of the tools that we can apply that help us uh, step into this favor, experience this intended plan that God has for our relationships. And uh, we said that it's one of the kind of key ingredients that we need to uh, throw into the poiki. Uh, of our of our lives, right? One, one of the one of the key flavors. Um, by the way, if you if you did if you if you did hear the message last week, uh, did you did, did anyone have an opportunity to either ask for forgiveness or offer it to someone? Any any uh, any Christians willing to confess that this morning? Yeah, that was me. Okay, just me. All right, we'll pray for your pastor. He's clearly the only one that needs uh, the Lord's help in holy living. But uh, we we uh, we we said last week that there are some benefits. Right to 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 living this way. Um, for for example, we feel more at peace, don't we, when things are good in our lives with our relationships. We feel more inclined to want to give back. Uh, we feel um, more creative, even. We have more energy and zest for life when our relationships are in a healthy place. We feel at rest, don't we? And the and the converse is is also true. We feel tense. We feel like we 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 can't be ourselves when there's some fractures in our relationship world. And most importantly, we actually glorify God, don't we? We represent Him well when our relationships are in a healthy space. And by the way, if you want to catch up on uh, on the message, you can go to SoundCloud. Uh, the Father's House Jeffrey's Bay messages are uploaded there as well. And uh, we wanted to have our, our own account. And then, you know, the, the, the uh, accounting guys came back and said it was like seven grand or something to set up our own uh, SoundCloud account. So we were like, okay, we'll park that one for now. Um, but you can go to the to Father's House essay and all the all the details are there. But this topic of relationships is a, is a really relevant one right now, isn't it? I think coming out of the pandemic and just with everything that's happening globally, we wanted to have a look at some key principles in Scripture and see what the Lord has to say about this because the Bible has a lot to say about relationships and how we should live, live, live in them. And so instead of, you know, going through the different kinds of relationships, we thought we would get a few people in each of the different spheres, you know, married, single, married with kids, complicated don't worry, these two don't fall into the complicated category. Um, and kind of get some, some perspectives from people that will help us unpack these ideas. Because here's the thing, you know, we want to become more like Christ in everything that we do, don't we? We want to become more like Christ in everything that we are. And so we thought, why don't we hear from some real-life people with some real-life perspectives, stories, and insights that we can use to build one another up and encourage one another, as uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 puts it. Until we come to maturity in the faith, like the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians. And so that's why we've had these sort of panel discussions at the start. So before I introduce our guest to you this morning, um, I want to take a look at a key passage. Sorry, is there like a bit of reverb on the mic or is it just me? Is it like a, am I sounding echoey or tinny? Or is it just that like I need some more water? Uh, if I can sound more manly, Herman, let me know. <laughs> I don't know, add a filter like a Kevin Costner or I don't know, Brad Pitt something filter. Um, but I want to I look at a key passage of Scripture this morning as we start and see if you can spot the relationship principle that we're going to be talking about this morning. It's hidden in these, in these verses. It's Philippians 2, verses 1 to 11. Uh, this is what it says. 
This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church, right, in Philippi. He says, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way. He lists a few things here. Thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. Such a beautiful passage, isn't it? For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. And we often have this verse quoted in in, in church and worship songs. uh, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can you guess the principle this morning? The title of my relationship is The Choice. And we're going to be talking about humility together. So our guests this morning, uh, you guys will know. Uh, the gentleman on on the far side. His name is Rob. Hello, Rob. Uh, He is an extremely talented musician. He's sort of the face of worship South Africa. I don't know. (laughs) Chances are if there's a worship team in SA, Rob's probably played in that team or at least knows someone in that team. Uh, But he is, uh, he's a master's student. Yes, he's going overseas soon. Uh, Turkey. I said to him that I'm not signing his his release form. Um, but uh, Rob is, uh, is, is one of the nicest guys that I, that I know. Uh, and so I'm really looking forward to hearing his perspective. And then to my right is Stel Marie. Uh, she is a pharmacist at Discam. Yes. So, so you might see some, some customers that you've dispensed medicine to in the building. So be nice to her. These are, these are qualified professionals. I'm careful who we deal with. Um, but friends, thank you so much for joining us um, this morning. So talking about humility, let's start from, right from the very beginning. How would you define living with humility. Still, let me ask you, how would you define it? Good morning, everyone. Um, this question really had me asking a lot of questions. It calls for some, you know, just introspection. And I really had to question my character. You know, I've looked at these things and my attitude towards life, um, towards others, towards my work, um, and then ultimately towards myself and towards God. Um, and I think that all channeled towards what's going on in my heart and what is the state and the condition of my heart. Um, and about two years back, someone gave me a verse. Um, also a professional was actually a doctor and he told me, just go read Proverbs 4 verse 23. And it says, guard your heart above all else for from it flows life. And that will determine the path of your life. Um, and it's just crazy. I told Lloyd this morning, I wondered why, why humility? And I've never really pondered on it so much as in these two weeks, but um, it's, it's, it's huge. We get almost conflicted with, and the opposite of humility is pride and arrogance the whole time. I think it's something that we do struggle a lot with. So I'd say um, humility is really being free of pride, free of arrogance, and thinking of yourself less and serving others without expecting anything in return. So that's what I'd say. 
uh, good luck topping that uh, description, Robert. <laughs> so what, what, what you mentioned earlier with regards to, you know, when there's a, a topic or something in a sermon, and if you're involved, you know that you're going to be challenged on that during the week. So that's definitely what you experienced. Um, for me, the textbook answer for what humility is, is when you put other people's um, needs above yourself. So... Um, yeah, that is literally what it is to me. If if you look at it, um, whether you you need to be authentic also, because people are clever. <laughs> you know, you can see if, if if it comes from the heart or it's just something that's like a, a facade or or a, um, a persona that you put up. And it's really being truthful to yourself and actually enjoying other people's happiness above your own. So you guys have touched on some of the points that we're going to be mentioning in the sermon. So, which is really, really cool. I love that because that's that's that, that's awesome. Um, but something that you guys both mentioned there, which is which is really, um, I think, crucial, is this thing of of the heart. You know, you, you spoke about that verse in Proverbs, and and and, and Rob also now. So, if we kind of consider that, it almost, in a sense, starts with 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 ourselves, kind of having this idea of who we are in our relationship to God. Then, how how do we then practice that? How do we how do we roll that out in our relationships towards other people? You know, how do you, how do you, if you can say practice humility, because it, you know, you kind of touched on it, but give us a little bit more there in terms of how you actually wake up on a Monday morning and go, I need to be humble today. What do I do? Yeah, I think it's really, um, it's hard. It's hard to be <laughs> humble. And, and it's, it's easy when you're in a good space, um, when you're full of confidence and you know that it's going well, but when you're not in a good space, um, then it gets really challenging to be to have that good attitude towards others. But for me, what I've realized is absolute surrender, surrendering to God and acknowledging that I can't do it on my own. There's no way that in my earthly nature, I'll be able to be humble. So you actually mentioned that this really cool example that you had recently yes. in terms of a, do you want Do you want to just tell us a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, so obviously I am a pharmacist and it's an area where you're not allowed to make any mistakes. So without going into too much detail, I made a mistake. Um, it wasn't a big one, but a mistake is a mistake. And I discovered my own mistake, thank goodness. Also, but I think it was also not that God is testing us, but the opportunity came past me. And I had a choice of basically just shoving it under the carpet, leaving it because no one will know. Um, and then once again, policy says you have to um, kind of bring it out. You have to disclose what happened. And a weekend went by, and that morning I just asked God, please, just help me. I need to know what to do because my whole earthly nature just wants to hide it. I don't want to be honest about it because why? I'm, and oh, the day went on, and something just happened, and I realized this is my moment. I can be honest. And when I told um, the head pharmacist, I told her what happened, she just said, it's okay. Um, and what usually would have happened didn't even happen. And that's the beauty of God looking into your heart because he cares about our hearts, not what's going on on the outside, not our status um, and where we are in life. It's about what is your intentions. And yeah, it, everything was okay. The grace of God was there and yeah, it was, it was fine. Sure. 
cool. Love that. Yeah, Rob, do you want to add something there? How do you how do you practice humility? Well, it's, I think like like I said earlier on, with you know, you kind of get get the challenge during the week before the sermon happens. So just to give you a short um, introduction to what what happened with me this week is that. Um, well, it's been three years that I applied for a specific job at the university where they opened up a position for someone that teaches contemporary and jazz vocals, which I didn't get the job for and someone else did. And this week I met up with, with the person and being very nervous because obviously knowing that someone's coming in from the outside, you know, I can could have been prideful saying, you know, I've done this job for four years. I built up the syllabus, everything. And like, you're not going to tell me you're not taking my final year students, that type of thing. But I needed to make the, the conscious decision of thinking, you know what, what would I have done if I was in her position? You know, coming in from, you know, being from a, a different place, a different institute, walking into this new place, expecting someone else is going to be um, arrogant or, you know, upset, you know, because this has happened or whatever. Um, being that person to say, you know what, I'm at of your service. You know, you're supposed to, you, you've taken this, this position now and I need to support you. We need to speak out of one mouth. And I don't want you to go into a meeting or anything where it doesn't feel like we agreed on everything. So we had a, a, a wonderful coffee session yesterday. It was going to be an hour or two. It went up till like four hours. We had a really good conversation. And it just shows you that, you know, just being that person to make space for someone else just makes a huge difference where you can be open and vulnerable to someone else and trust them with your heart in a certain position because music is, is it's a passion it's not just you know it's not just my belief or something it's something that's part of me so having that opportunity to invest into someone else's life and saying you know this instead of saying you know i built up this syllabus and all this saying this is what i've i've done what do you think about the situation? Do you think, how can we better it? How, what do I need to move away from? What, what is a better suggestion to actually just sit back and get off your high horse and just think, you know, it's, it's, it's literally, it's like that. Because I mean, anyone can, you know, if you, if you, if you are professional in, in your, your field, you can be someone in Afrikaans to say, beter wetend. And you know, but I can, I have my studies to back it up. But that's not what it's about. It's about working as a team and making sure that, that people can, we can flourish together as a team. Sure, there's so much wisdom and 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 quality of character from these two people. I feel quite intimidated right now, um, uh, to be honest. I feel like this message is meant for me. I'm just going to go and sit somewhere in the corner and just read over over my notes to to myself. But um, um, what what makes it easy and what makes it hard? You actually mentioned that earlier. But what 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 helps you in that situation? Because like you said, it's not easy. I mean, you know, I've put in four years of work here. I'm not just going to throw this thing away, right? And, you know, I, I don't want to be found out for, 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 for making, making a mistake. Like, what, what, what are some of the things that, that, that help you in those moments? Is it, a, is it a choice of, you know, what we think about? Is it a, you know, what, what is it that makes it easy and what makes it difficult? I think, you know, but I also I do feel that the Holy Spirit does lead you and, you know, you need to pray about it because you're going to go into a conversation like that on your own. It's 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 because the thing is just something small that you would say that would aggravate the situation, something you really need the, you know, the, the mind of Christ in that, that perspective. So what does make it easier is if someone has the same attitude also of, of humility then it's easy then it's you know if, oh you know you first now you first type of thing so it's 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 easy to work in that situation where um where you being vulnerable and opening up yourself i mean it's a risk 
I mean, it's, it's, it's like we're speaking about going into relationships and things like that. You're putting yourself at risk. And there's always like this little saying that you see on Facebook and Instagram. You say that, that love like you've never loved before and dance as if, or sing as if no one's listening or watching, that type of thing. And sometimes you just need to go into that and trust the Holy Spirit. Something to add there, Snorri? Yeah, I think what's quite um, hard in today's society is everyone is encouraging um, people to love yourself. And as we get reminded with that the whole time, put yourself first. And it's ooh, to move away from that and to look towards what Christ, his example, like Philippians 2, that's, I think it's the best example or explanation of what he was in serving and really being humble and obedient to God. And yeah, like you said, Rob, being, um, or oh, what makes it easy is stepping into that surrender and just allowing the Holy Spirit to, to guide you. But it requires, once again, submission. It requires surrendering, letting go of control. You know, that's quite a big thing. But if you let go of that, oh man, that freedom that awaits and that peace, it's something that transcends all understanding. Sure. Hmm. How, how are you guys still single? I, I mean, I'm just... Uh, <laughs> There's such quality human beings. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. Um, but but I, I, I suppose one more, one more question. I actually love what you were just saying then. I was like, there, there, there's always such a breakthrough on the other side of our inconvenience. You know, if we just surrender the control, the favor of God is almost like waiting on, on, on the other side. But if you, if you, if you met someone that was... Um, let, let's let's say um, not a Christian yet. I'm trying to think of a politically correct term there. Um, someone that's that's still figuring this faith thing out. Give them one sentence, one sentence that would that would make a case for them living this way. Why would someone want to take what you've just said, as good and as amazing as it was, and apply it to their lives? Give them give them one sentence. Is that is that a, is that a, is that a really tough one? I said to them that that uh, that uh, <laughs> that I would keep them on their on their toes, yeah. And I might have a little surprise question just tucked away there somewhere. But because um, you know this is this is this is where the church is right now, right? Even if we just take a little step back for for a second, there's the world is watching us, you know, to say what are you guys doing? You know, this sounds good, but I've seen church and you know I'm not really too interested in this whole God faith thing, whatever. Give me one reason. Give me one sort of thing that's going to say, all right, I think I'll accept that invitation. Well, for me, it's, it's not necessarily like a sentence or something because you probably need a little bit more words to, <laughs> to explain that. But I think the fact that, that you can show someone that you are human and that, you know, like I always say, you know, I love a good argument <laughs> and a good debate. You know, I can really get myself into it. But the thing is, if I am wrong, I can apologize. So for me, it's 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 showing that you know people do have this this whole perspective about church. You know why? What, but then they have these questions that we don't have answers. Why is there still hate in the world and things like that? You that you that you get. But what people need to understand is that we are still human. <laughs> we strive to to be like Jesus and all that. But we're going to fail. And the, the reason is that um, in in in, in Afrikaans they say you word so when, when, when you do sin and you do things that you know that there's someone else who's already forgiven your sins, but you need to accept that. It's like taking help or accepting help where the help has been given to you, but it's kind of like, no, no, I'm waiting for something else. But you need to, you know, so that to me, that is where, where you need to, for me, it's more about showing than it is about speaking. <laughs> 
Yeah, very much so. Love that. Stalmery? Can Lock. that um, sentence be a question, like a rhetorical question? Of course it can. Of course it can. <laughs> um, yeah, I would just ask that person, are you tired? Um, are you worn out? And um, yeah, just come with me and let me show you and take you where there are greener pastures. Um, yeah, and where there's really a fountain of life. And that's what you find at church at the end of the day. <laughs> but you have to search for it and be also willing. <laughs> so, so I don't know if you know that, but that's that's a passage in Matthew from the Message translation. Man, uh, like you guys, you can really just carry on preaching. To, I mean, my job is done. But can we just take a moment and thank these two incredible people for sharing their insights with us? Thank you so much, guys. Um, I, uh, I legitimately feel like I learned something from that conversation. So thank you so much. Just give me a sec. That's my workout for the, for the weekend. But um, how, how amazing is it to, to hear from, from people like that? Just, just to make it relatable just to connect with what they're saying. I mean, there was so much in there. We could literally spend all day um, unpacking and kind of picking from those, from those pearls um, that, they've, that they've shared. But I want to just, you know, kind of touch on two or three categories briefly in, in, in the 10 or so minutes that we have left. But I think it's, it's, it's safe to say from, from the outset that, you know, when it comes to this living with humility thing, um, it doesn't mean that you think less of yourself. It just means that you think of yourself less. You know, at no point in their conversation did it come out like we have low self-esteem. That's what humility means. You know, I have to doubt who I am. No, it, it, it actually just means that you're thinking of yourself less in relation to how much you think of other people. You know, and just consider this, this, the scripture again that we read in, in Philippians. You know, Christ was in very nature God. He was God personified. Yet he was able to lay that status aside for the purpose that was set before him. And he fulfilled this role. You know, he was extremely confident in his capability to follow through with his calling. That was an unintentional three C's right there. He was very confident in his capability to follow through with his calling. It, it wasn't a case of him going, oh, you know what? Sorry, guys, I'm just really not feeling up to it today. I just, you know, I'm just, I don't know if I can be humble today. I just, I, you know, I just... um. I need to look after myself. You know, I need to think of myself first. This was the complete opposite. He was so convinced and so aware of who he was that it, it enabled him to fulfill his mission. And, you know, this is, this is the thing about talking about principles like humility. You can very easy, easily measure how you're doing on each of these topics, right? You can kind of measure them. You can say, you know, when it comes to forgiveness, oh, yes, I actually did forgive this person last week. Or I did ask for forgiveness. Or when it comes to humility, you know, I am sort of experiencing you know, less tension in my relationships. Christ could measure the effectiveness of his humility. He went to the cross. <laughs> Talk about, you know, thinking of others' needs above your own. He went to the cross. I don't really, I don't think he, 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 was, he, he liked that very much, being beaten, you know, whipped, crucified. I don't think that's something that, you know, you wake up in the morning and you go, oh, I'm so glad I'm going to be able to do this today. And we read in scripture that he was sweating drops of blood. He was so, so hurt by this, so, you know, so, under so much, what, what's, what's the word? Pressure almost. This was not, a, not an easy thing to do. Yet he pursued that because he was confident in who he was. And he could measure his humility. 
Um, speaking about, you know, calling yourself humble, um, it's such a funny verse, but who was, who, was the, who was the most humble man that ever lived? Anyone know who the most humble man was that ever lived? Moses. Numbers 12 verse 3, if you guys got it there. Moses was a very humble man, more so than anyone on the face of the earth. Uh, who wrote Numbers? Moses. <laughs> Thanks, Uncle Mo. <laughs> I appreciate that. Great example. But, um, but actually, you know, re- you know reading, reading up on, on uh, Moses' character, there, there are actually some really powerful things that they kind of reveal his heart uh, towards God. And he was a very, very humble guy. Um, but God really has a lot to say about this idea of, of humility in Scripture. And he's got a lot to say about pride as well which as Talmi mentioned is kind of the counterfeit to that, right? But so we're going we're gonna to look at, at, at some of the scriptures um, that, that tell us why living this way is a good idea. Then we're going to end off with, with discussing a little bit about how it's cultivated. How do you grow humility? Because it is something that can be grown in you. Uh, and then we're going to look at two, two expressions, two, two forms of, of, of humility. So let's, let's have a look at reasons why this is a good idea. And I mean, if there was anything more that we could add to what Robin Selmy said. But, you know, why, you know, if, with that last question, if someone says, why would I need to adopt this Christian way of living with humility? You know, I would say that there's, that there's a difference between satisfaction and fulfillment in life. There's a difference. Satisfaction comes from reaching a goal that you want to achieve. But fulfillment comes from receiving a purpose that your creator knows you need. Satisfaction comes from reaching a goal that you want to achieve, but fulfillment, deep fulfillment, comes from receiving a purpose that your creator knows you need. Satisfaction is temporary. It's based on circumstances. But fulfillment is everlasting because it's based on purpose. And there's a real difference between living your life from one celebration to, to, to the next because that's how long the satisfaction lasts, right? as long as the celebration, compared to living with fulfillment when you have this deep peace that you know you're in the will of Christ for your life. And that will is flowing into every area of who you are. Because guess what? I know some people that are satisfied but deeply unfulfilled. <laughs> satisfied but deeply unfulfilled. And I know people that the world might say, are, you know, you don't really have much. How on earth can you be satisfied? But they have deep fulfillment. Is it possible to have both? Absolutely. But I want for us to understand that, that God is calling us to experience not just satisfaction in relationships, but deep fulfillment, because that represents Him well. That's how we experience God, God's best for our lives. And, he's, and he's, he's given us some really clear principles just to kind of sweeten the deal for us in terms of the invitation to live this way. And, and let's, let's have a look at, at two of those very, very quickly. Two, two, two reasons they kind of have this concept of a reward for living with humility. What, 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 are, what are the rewards for living with humility? James 4, verse 6. It says this, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's a reason for living with humility. God gives grace to the humble. You know, this is a brilliant, brilliant passage of scripture. Here's why. Okay. Picture for a moment that you're a student. Okay. I know our matrix are about to write their trial exams, uh, but picture you're, you're, you're a student. Um, you've got this multiple choice uh, examination paper and there's one question in the paper, right? It's your final exam. This is your entry into life. Okay. So question reads as follows. Let's assume that Joe Soap 
wants God's favour in his life? Which method of the following two attitudes will produce that favour for Joe? Option one, pride. Option two, humility. Then next to it, in brackets, it says, P.S., God resists the proud, but shows favour to the humble. P.P.S., James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Please make your selection. (laughs) God is so gracious. He gives us the clue to the answer of the multiple choice question in the paper. It's one of the greatest invitations in all of Scripture. You know, when when I first read that verse, I thought, oh, this is God being so exclusive. You know, why is he... Why is he coming so hard at the people that are, that, are, that are proud? But it's actually one of the greatest invitations. He says, do you want my favor in your life? Be humble. There's the answer. That is how you experience God's favor. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. It really is a, 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 a gracious way that God has opened up for us to experience his favor, his grace in our relationships. Simply be humble. So the first one is God gives grace to the humble. And the second one, the second reason why this is a good idea is that it results in some pretty cool blessings. It does. Living with humility results in some pretty cool blessings. Look at Proverbs 22 verse 4. And I've chosen this from the, from the uh, Lexham English Bible translation for a very specific reason. But it says this, the reward of humility, there's a word reward, the reward of humility is the fear of Yahweh. That, as we know, is the name of the Lord, right? And then he's got a little half in there that says wealth, honor, and life. The reward of humility is the fear of Yahweh, Wealth and honor and love. You know, you know why it says that the reward of, of, of the humility is the fear of the Lord? And by the way, that word fear means reverential trust in. What he's saying is that when we are humble towards God, it brings about true connection with him. And that true connection with God is expressed in our trust. And when we trust the Lord, we experience wealth, honor, and love. That's what that verse is saying. I mean, who doesn't want to experience God's wealth and honor and life, right? He's simply saying humility is the key. Humility is the gateway that opens up true connection with him. When we don't think of ourselves as deserving anything from God, when we don't think of of him as owing us something, when we humble ourselves and go, God, you are God, we are not. We are here to serve you. You are the author, you are the maker. This is not my decision, it's your decision. I'm trusting your will. That's what opens up true connection, which produces wealth, honor, and life. And by the way, wealth also does mean monetary things. It's, it's got a connotation to that, but it also means true riches, spiritual riches, peace, blessings, favor, mercy, joy, all these things wrapped up in this idea of submitting to God. So great, great reasons, right? Great, great benefits for living, living with, with humility. How do, we, how do we get there? How do we do that? Robin Solomon gave us some amazing um, amazing ideas. But one, one, one key idea that I want to leave with you is that true humility, and this is what a, what a friend of mine mentioned to me recently, uh, true humility is cultivated in one's true identity. You guys touched on it, right? You kind of touched on it. True humility is cultivated in one's true identity. When we know who we are, that helps us in this process, right? Check it, check it uh, Colossians 3.12. Well-known passage. Therefore, as God's chosen ones. I'm amazed at how many different labels people give themselves these days. <laughs> how they introduce themselves, you know. I'm so-and-so and I'm whatever, divorced. Or, um, you know, struggling financially. Or I'm um, whatever, in a 
complicated relationship. Those things, I'm not trying to minimize their, their impact. But according to this verse, that may be true, but your true identity is you're God's chosen one. What would our lives look like if we just started from that place? Ah, I'm God's chosen one. I don't go and make that your Facebook status, okay? And, and get a shirt printed, I'm the chosen one, you are not, whatever. That's weird. It's, a, it's an attitude of the heart, right? It's knowing who you are in Christ. And because of that, because you are God's chosen one, do these things. Put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Because you are chosen by God, you can wear the garment of humility. It's not the other way around. I don't try and try and be humble, try and do humble things so that I can get accepted by Christ. No, it's I'm already accepted by Christ. Therefore, from that place, I can live humbly. It's very hard to do that if you don't know who you are, right? You'll constantly be, you know, almost viewing the serving someone else as them getting their way um, above my own. You know, like it's some kind of a character thing that's happening here. You know, I, have, I must always put these other people before me. What about, what about my needs? You know, what about, what about my, 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 my desires? But that's the opposite of what that verse is saying, you know. And the funny thing about, about this life that we, you know, that we're trying to um, um, explain here is that Jesus very often in Scripture said no to a lot of people. He said no to a lot of people. There were times when he was asked to stay somewhere and he said, you know what? I'm on mission. I've got to go. Said, can you, can you spend a bit more time? Oh, please, Jesus, do this. Nope, I'm on mission. I've got to go. Doesn't that speak a lot about a true sense of identity to you? Said he knew his mission. He knew where he was going. He knew why he was going there. And so it really is about fulfilling this mission that we have with a true sense of humility that comes from true identity. And this is what Jesus said, John 14, 11. He says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. He was so closely connected to his identity in his father. This enabled him to, to, to fulfill and pursue his mission with purpose and with passion. So you guys still with me? Is this, is this helpful? I want to give you two more passages of, of scripture that talk about expressions of humility. So far, we've looked at the benefits. We said God gives grace to the humble. And what is the second one? It results in some pretty cool blessings, Right. We said that the way to cultivate true humility is through our true identity in Christ. Now let's look at two expressions, two, two ways, two avenues of how we are humble. The first one is our humility towards other people. And the second one is our humility towards God. Let's look at the first one. We should walk with humility to others. First Peter 5. First Peter 5. So all of you, everyone say all of you, all of you. So even you, pastor, all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Why? Because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Second person in the New Testament that's referenced the same scripture from Proverbs. Kind of feel like God's trying to make a point here, right? Second guy referencing the same one. Um, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Why? So that he may exalt you at the proper time. Check how gracious he is. Casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Isn't that beautiful? Man, how often do we run away from God or think that he doesn't, he's not interested? Look at that verse. Humble yourselves so that he might exalt you at the proper time, his time, right? His timing. Casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. And it's such a beautiful passage, passage of uh, scripture for me. Um, 
but this this idea, I want to just pick up on one of them quickly, this idea of, of, of clothing, because both this verse and the one in Colossians says, clothe yourselves with humility, right? I want to just expand on that analogy a little bit. But what he's saying is that Christ-like humility towards others should be as evident in the life of the believer as the clothing that we wear. That's the picture that he's trying to paint. It should be as evident as the clothing that we wear. Suppose someone walks into church this morning and they've, you know, they're wearing, I don't know, um, Adidas tracksuit, right? You can kind of easily identify that they obviously went to the Adidas store or one that stocks those, that, that clothing. You know, you might be able to build a bit of a picture as to their preferences. Maybe they're a bit sporty, right? Maybe they enjoy kind of being a bit athletic. Maybe they're a bit outdoorsy, you know, rocking up in a tracksuit. Um, you know, you might even say that perhaps it's a complete front, you know, because what they're wearing and yet who they are when I speak to them doesn't seem to match up, you know. Maybe this idea of them being a bit active is, is actually something opposite. You kind of begin to build a little bit of a picture as to, as to who this person is, what they like, what their preferences are, the lifestyles that they ascribe to. And in the same way, people should be able to identify the believer's brand of choice right? God's chosen one by the moral clothing that we walk around in. That's the picture. Humility should be as evident as this clothing that we wear. Or is it a case of, you know what, they might say that they're humble, they might look like it, but mm, lifestyle doesn't really match up, you know? It's like someone that just bought the tracksuit because they want to represent something that they would like to be, but they aren't actually that, that person at all. See how I say you can really measure these principles clearly? Makes you go, you know, let's, let's, let's consider what we get dressed in, in, in the morning when we, when we wake up. What are we approaching our day with? What garments of clothing are we, are we putting on? Very, very big, big idea. And then, and then secondly, this, this humility towards God conversation. Humility towards others, humility towards God. Um, this is an important expression of how we, of how we show, our, show our, our creator that we are, that we are living in this, in this way. Um, and I want to actually use my relationship with Kelly, uh, my wife, as, as an example. And I see her walking around with our six-month-old son. Um, he obviously doesn't like dad's message. He's, he's, you know what, just take me to the coffee machine or something. Far more interesting. But, you know, when I got married, uh, which was, um, <clears throat> I'm joking, which was nine years ago, I'm joking. I, know. Um, I thought initially that that marriage would solve some of my problems. Kind of get told this idea. Just get married. Everything will be fine, you know? Uh, it actually magnified them, <laughs> to be honest. Because uh, truthfully, you know, I thought maybe I had an inclination that I was a bit selfish, say, before marriage. But it was only after I got married that I realized how truly selfish I actually was. Because now I've got to spend my time with this person and, and, and they have needs, they have demands, and it's not just me with my 24 hours. It's now someone else, Right? It didn't solve them. It kind of magnified them, and 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 so when it when it when it comes to to loving my wife, loving Kelly, um, I don't get to stay selfish and expect her to accept me for who I am. You know, I hate that expression so much. Sorry, hate's a very strong word, but I I, I I really dislike that idea of you know this is who I am. I've always been this way, and I always will be this way. You know, take me or leave me, sort of thing. Love me or leave me, whatever. The scripture says that we are a new creation in Christ. <laughs> we are continuously being transformed into his image. Now the old is gone, the new has come. So 
You can't expect to have a thriving relationship if you behave selfishly all the time, wanting your terms and conditions to be met, right? So because I love Kelly, instead of doing that, you know, I have to find out what she likes. I have to find out, you know, these are the things that, this is how she wants to be loved. These are the things that make her happy. These are the things that, that, that upset her, you know? I can't love her on my terms and conditions. You know, I can't say, here's a fishing lure, you know? I love fishing, so here's a fishing lure, you know, happy anniversary. No, I've got to find out what she likes. Because we're in a loving relationship that I want to grow, right? By me just being selfish, that's, that's by me being prideful. And I can't expect the relationship to grow and to flourish if I just acted in that way. You guys see the connection there in our relationship with God? We've got to find out what he likes. <laughs> As his servants, we don't get to worship him on our terms. Ah, you know what, God, I... I checked in the church this morning. Where's my blessings? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm Lloyd. You know, are you, are you listening? This is how I've been. This is how I'll always be. No, we don't get to worship God on our terms. The, the, the Bible has given us some really, really clear ideas in terms of what makes God happy. These are the things that please him. These are the things that are, that, that upset him. He's got some do's and don'ts, right? Some ways that he's given us to live. And if we want to live in, 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 this, in this way of receiving God's favor, then we have to figure out, we have to love him in the way that he needs to be loved. He wants to be loved. Because guess what? We're the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We are united with God's son in marriage. And we can't simply expect to sit back and love him on our terms. No, we need to, we need to serve him. We are his servants ultimately. And we need to express our humility towards him in this way. And you want some clues as to what God likes, how we can live with our expression of humility towards him? Look at Micah. So it is a book in the Bible. Micah chapter 6, verses 6 to 8. How's this? What should I bring before the Lord when I come bow before God on high? What should I do? Should I come before him with burnt offerings, with year-old calves? Would the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with 10,000 streams of oil? Should I give my firstborn for my transgression? Picture of Christ there, right? The offspring of my body for my own sin. How's this? Mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what it is the Lord requires of you. To act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. How's that? It's not about religion. It's not about fulfilling all these sacrifices to get God to love us. Oh, look here, Lord, I've given you all these things. Now bless me. No, no. Act justly, love faithfulness, and just walk humbly with your God. Walk with him. Learn from him. Come away with me, as Tom said. Wide open, expansive places. That's where he wants to lead us. We just need to live with humility and say, yes, Lord, you're God. I'm following you. Amen. Church, can we stand this morning as we close in a word of prayer? I wonder if, um, oh, there is Rob. Our panelist can express his gifts in another way this morning with his, with his worship. But um, we've, we've sort of been saying throughout, throughout this series and I guess um, in, in church for a little while that we don't just want people to have a good experience on a Sunday, right? It's amazing, the coffee's good, the worship's amazing, but we really do want people to encounter God in a real way, to leave here changed. That's why we do this, uh, you know, 
Pastor George mentioned, you know, that we don't want church to be like this uh, um, drug dispensary, you know, to think of a pharmacy. We just give you enough, a little bit, so you can come back next week for your next fix, you know, just to get you through the week. We want people to be set free. I want, you know, we want people to come to church and tell the stories of, hey, you know what? My life was changed in this way. Here's a story of God's power at work in my life. That's what we want to do. We really want to create moments for, for everyone, and I include myself in this, to encounter God in a real way, to experience a transformed life. And so I, I hope in, in, in the sharing of these scriptures that we've received a little bit of that this morning. And I guess as we take a moment to pray um, at the end of this morning's conversation and um, I guess quieten our hearts before God, um, let's ask Him. Let's ask Him to, to shape us, to change us as we submit to Him as Creator and us as the servants that are modeling Christ, right? So can we bow our heads for a moment, Father's house and Yeah, it's a it's a it's a personal journey that each of us have with Jesus, and um, the Holy Spirit is in everyone that calls Himself a believer. He is present, and He is He is doing what only He can do, <laughs> uh, and He's gentle. I want you to know this morning: the Holy Spirit is gentle. He's not going to force something on someone. He invites people. He beckons them in. It's an invitation. And so, right where we are this morning, Lord, I. I thank you that you are mapping out a path for each of us to walk. Um, And I thank you that that path is beside still waters, green pastures. You are calling us to good things, Lord, because you are gracious. You are loving. You're not someone that we need to be fearful of or worried about trusting. You've shown yourself to be good and faithful. And so this morning we commit ourselves to modeling Christ's example and to be humble in everything that we do. Teach us, Holy Spirit, in those moments, how to do that. Give us wisdom. Help us figure this out because we want to glorify you in everything that we do and in everything that we are. We thank you, Jesus, that we are transformed by a moment in your presence. Just one moment. And we pray for, for a little bit of that, for a lot of that this week, Lord. May we grow in the image of Christ. Thank you that you've given us these principles to apply. Lord, you give grace. You show favor to the humble. You're so gracious, Lord, and we thank you for that. We commit this week to you. We lay it at your feet and we surrender and say, Lord, you lead us. We want to walk with you. And in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Fathers, ask, can we give God a shout of praise this morning in worship? Awesome.